0: Good evening. Good evening. For those of you who do not know me, my name is Tina Lee, and I serve as the campus director of this chapter of Emmaus. Um, so let's go straight into the message, okay? Because uh, we don't have time, all right? Um, but before that, I want you guys to, I'm going to just say, so I, I was reading through Instagram, right? And, uh, and I came across one of uh, a picture that my friend posted up, and my friend is a pastor in um, LA. And he put up this picture, and it was just, like, of them worshiping God, right? And the caption really, like, struck a chord in my heart, right? And what it said was, our belief in God should make nonbelievers doubt their disbelief in God. But do you believe it? Do you believe it? Do you believe that our belief in God should make nonbelievers doubt their disbelief in God? I want you guys to continue to think about this as I share tonight's message, okay? Okay, so for many of you guys, you guys came back from this retreat, which was two weeks ago, right? And God moved powerfully, amen? Yeah, I got messed up. (laughs) I'm sure you guys saw, but I got jacked right? Where God just encountered me in a really powerful and intimate way. Um, So you guys experience God's power, you experience freedom, you experience just the joy of living for God, right? You were able to experience his personal love for you, right? In the place of even being in a community. And so many of you guys experienced a mountaintop experience at this retreat. So for many of you, I'm sure that, you know, it's been two weeks now, so you're starting to you know, reflect upon what was happening, what happened, reflect on how God was speaking to you, reflect on the experiences that you may have may have or may not have had. The people that you have met, the deep revelations that God's been giving you, giving to you, you, there's probably a lot of things going on in your head. And for those that didn't go to the retreat, it doesn't matter because I'm sure for some of you, you guys have been coming out to Emmaus or you've met people from and. You're just, there's just a lot of questions in your head. You're just wondering, like, was that real? Or, man, that person changed a lot, but is that real? Like, is that going to last? Or was it just a momentary experience of just happiness? Because happiness is experiential, right? And so you begin to question all these different things. And for some, you were also invited to a new reality. A new reality even your Christianity, your paradigm of Christianity, what it means to be a follower of Christ was shattered because you thought it was one way, but you realized that some things you had to unlearn. So now there's just a lot of things going on, whether it be good or just questionings, like different questions. There's a lot of things going on in this mind. And let me tell you, if you're not thinking about anything and this whole past two weeks, you guys have just been like apathetic or numb or not thinking about, a thing, there's something wrong with that too. There's something wrong with that too. Okay? And so whether it be you having so many different thoughts in your head or nothing at all, that needs to be confronted. So before we, I go into my message, right? I'm going to give you, uh, just a, a brief example of a mountain time experience. And so in Luke nine, 20 to 36, I'm just going to briefly summarize, but it's when, um, Jesus and three disciples, Peter, John, and James go up to a mountain to pray and here Jesus his face is altered he becomes this like glowing figure and his clothing becomes dazzling right? and not just that, but we see that Jesus Jesus was talking to two men, Moses and Elijah and Peter and disciples were sleepy, but when they were fully awake, they realized that Jesus was with Moses and Elijah. And immediately, what did Peter do out of his zealousness? He was like, I will make a tent for you. Let's just stay up here. Let's just stay up here. And I'll make three tents for you, for Moses, Elijah, and you, Jesus. And let's just stay up here. It's gonna be great, right? And soon a cloud came and overshadowed them. And a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my son, my chosen one, listen to him, right? And when the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. And when this happened, the disciples were scared because they knew that when Jesus, when the presence of God comes, it's it's when the cloud comes, it's the presence of God and they would die. Right? But thankfully they didn't die. They encountered Jesus, they encountered the power. God, they encountered the presence of God. So this was their mountaintop experience. And like I said, our retreat or even just what's happening in this semester is your mountaintop experience. Like Jesus, like the disciples, they experience glory. They encounter Jesus in a personal way. They just experience crazy freedom and joy and peace and love, right? Some receive breakthrough through this time. However, if you see in verses 37 to 43, immediately when they come down of the mountain, where do they go? To the valley. To the valley. Okay? And when Jesus... And his disciples came down. They were greeted by a great crowd. Greeted by a great ca- crowd. And so on the mountain, they found themselves in the presence of God. And they got a revelation, a deeper revelation of who Jesus was. And at the valley, they find themselves confronted with a crowd of people. And a troubled father who pleads, his f- his, um, son, pleads for his son who is possessed by the demon. So in verse 40, the man tells Jesus how he begged the disciple to cast out the demon, but they could not. The disciples were not able to cast out the demon. And in verse 41, Jesus answered that it's because of their lack of faith. So Jesus, he simply just rebukes the spirit, the unclean spirit, and the spirit leaves and the boy is healed. Right? But the disciples immediately, wait, what happened? They were at the mountain. They experienced the presence of God and they encountered just, they had a deeper revelation of who Jesus was. And when they come down, Jesus says, lack of faith, lack of faith. So how does this relate to us? We had this mountaintop experience, whether it be from large group or from the retreat, you had a mountaintop experience. But now your valley is Yonsei University. Your valley is Iwa. Your valley is your roommate. (laughs) Okay, now you're faced with reality again. Everything's not so happy-go-lucky anymore. Here you are at a retreat. You were jumping and like, yeah, Jesus. And here you are like, you're going crazy, right? I'm not going to jump. But now you're at this valley and you're like, why do I feel depressed again? Why do I feel like nobody likes me? Why do I feel like I haven't changed? Jesus, are you real? Jesus, do you actually love me? God, are you there? God, did you really transform my life? You come back to the valley and now you're questioning. You're struggling with finances. And you're like, but I thought, I thought that I lacked nothing. You were praying for your, your, your brother or sister at the retreat. You're contending for them and then you come back home to your valley, and you find out that your brother or sister is doing worse. You're actually not doing that well at school. And you thought you don't lack anything. But you're not doing well at school. Here you, you get your first credit, C. Maybe an F. <sighs> As for fantastic. <laughs> um, but nothing's glowing anymore. You ex- you've encountered Jesus, but then you come back to the valley, and all of a sudden you feel your faith lacking. So I want to, I want you to ask yourself, what am I doing with everything I've experienced at this retreat or at Emmaus large group, or just even through your encounters with people? What am I doing? Am I sharing and multiplying the blessing and freedom? Am I making people jealous of my experiences as am I making friends actually wonder what in the world happened? Am I, it, it, do people actually want to encounter God through me? What is going on in your head? What are you making your truth? As believers, all of us, we have mountaintop experiences. Everyone has mountaintop experiences. It may be a lot. It may be just a couple of times. But you will have a mountaintop experience. But the vast majority of your life, hello, it's in the valley. It's in the valley. So now it's a matter of how you see it, how you perceive the valley, and what you choose to set your mind on. The enemy doesn't care if you have mountaintop experiences. Let me get this straight into your head. The enemy does not care if you're jumping out loud and saying, Jesus, I love you. The enemy does not care if you are are on the ground crying. The enemy doesn't care if you felt like you received breakthrough. The enemy does not care. What he cares about is what you're going to do with it. Every revelation, every truth, every breakthrough, will it bear fruit in the mind? because that's what matters because through a seed that's sown in your mind if it is the thing is if it isn't watered or nourished what happens to that seed it dies it shrivels up does it bear fruit no and this goes back even to the message of the said and unsaid you receive the said and are you going to make the unsaid fruitful are you going to seek for the unsaid right even for me, I'll be real with you. Ever since I was young, I've always experienced mountaintop experiences. I could give you a list. I go to Mexico, and then I'm like, there was one time where I, I, uh, the, we had a revival service. So I'm there to do missions, but also it's where we, we receive too. And this was when I was in high school, right, the beginning of high school. And um, it was nighttime. We're in this church in Mexico, and the pastor's praying for us. And then for me, because I'm very sensitive to the Spirit, He didn't even have to touch me. I was like, oh, and then I fell. No one was there to catch me. So I fell head first. Okay. I fell head first. And while I was there, I was crying, not because it was hurting, but in my mind, I was thinking, why am I, why am I Okay. (laughs) Cause it was a cement floor. It's in Mexico. Like it was a cement floor. There was no carpet. I was like, why is it hurting? But at the same time I'm like, Jesus is like, Tina, I love you. I love you. And I'm like, he loves me. He loves me. He loves me. And then when I come back from Mexico, here I go living this cycle again of thinking that no one loves me. Don't be like a Peter. All zealous in the mountain. I'll make a tent for you. Let's stay up here. And then he comes down and then like here, Peter is doubting Christ and rejecting Christ. But so many of us, we can relate to Peter because I can relate to Peter a lot. So here I am when I have this mountain top experience and I come back to reality and I'm once again vulnerable to every lie of the enemy. And so what I was doing was I was giving more authority to the words of the enemy than I was to God. And like I said, it's not about what you experience, but it's about what you do with it. Through Christ, God has given you all things, all things. Yet, he has given you the freedom to choose to recognize the freedom we actually have. So, here, each and every one of you guys, you're experiencing freedom. You're here by the grace of God. He's the one that led you here, by the way. And you are experiencing freedom. However, though you're experiencing freedom, you are only as free as your mind is. You're only as free as your mind is. So it comes to my first point. Follow me. Satan. I'm gonna say it all. It's long. Satan came to keep your mind in bondage. Your mind in bondage. So in Genesis three one through thirteen, let's turn to that. Genesis three one through thirteen, and in in my Bible it's titled the Fall. Okay, titled "The Fall." We're not going to read it, but I just want you guys to look at it, and I'm just going to briefly summarize what was happening. So, in Genesis three, one through thirteen, we see that the serpent was tempting Eve. But what was the the first? The serpent did. This was the first way the the first way that the enemy tempted man. And the first way was through deception, implanting a lie. The enemy Satan basically asked God in verse one he said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? Because if you eat, you'll be like God, you'll know he was saying, did God actually say don't eat of it? He implanted a lie. He said, did God actually say that, Eve? Did God actually say that? It's, that's not the, he doesn't want you to be like him. That's why. And so when I was reading this, part of me wondered, I'm like, wait, Satan was a serpent, right? Why didn't he just choke Eve and kill her there? No, I'm serious. Why didn't he just choke Eve and kill her there? He could have just been like, he knows that God made her. So he'd be like, he had feet then. So he was like, you know, go around the day. Because serpents kill. Why didn't he just kill her right there? Why did he choose to plant a lie? Now that is the question. So think about it even in the natural. Your brain, your brain, touch your... Touch your head. Touch your head. Every single person, touch your head. Touch your head. Okay? Your brain is powerful. Okay, you can let go. So I'm not going to be like all scientific on you. But what I'm trying to state is I'm going to state the obvious. But sometimes we don't even know the obvious. Okay? Your brain is powerful. If your brain malfunctions, you're dead. You're basically dead. What does, your mind, what does your brain help you do? It gives you the ability to learn. It gives you the ability to remember. It gives you the ability to think. It gives you the ability not just to do, you know, mind stuff, but physically, too, you're able to walk, right? Yeah? You're able to run. If something is off in your brain, you're not able to do. You're not able to function. It's better off You're just saying you're dead. That's why, peop, you know, like if someone goes in a coma... They're technically alive, but they're not. They're vegetable. And what I'm trying to say is, Jesus is the head, not you. Jesus is the head, not you. And the way that Satan was trying to tempt man is saying, you can be God. You can be God. But in the spirit, you were never meant to be the head, which contains the brain. In the body of Christ, you function as a part of the body. So let's go back to why Satan did this. Satan is not a fool. Lucifer, he was was really, really awesome. But he also wanted to be like God. He wanted to be God. So why would he want to just kill man in an instant? Right? Why would he want to just do that? He knows that God made man in his very own image. What's the best way is by making... Man that was made in God's image no longer turned to God. Satan's no fool. Think about it. You have a child, okay? Uh, seven, eight years from now, you're going to be married with a baby. Okay? Okay? It's for you guys. Not for the staff. Staff is like one to two years from now. Hallelujah. Okay? But seven years from now, you guys will be married. Okay? And you, for women, you, you give birth to the baby. For men, you, give, you help give birth to the baby. <laughs> right? And think about it. All of a sudden, someone comes to, a, a random man comes to your child and says, to your child and just starts brainwashing your child. And say, Mas- Masande's not your mom. You have to be like Masande. <laughs> I'm trying to give you a picture. He, he what what think about it. If your if your child came up to you and all of a sudden they're like, I don't know you. But you were made they were made in, in your womb. If my kid came up to me and mommy, I don't know you. They don't even say mommy, like uh, Tina, I don't know you. I'm like, what? <laughs> what? You're made to have a relationship with me, and I don't know you. Ow. If my kid ever said to him, I might, mm, I don't know what I would do, actually. (laughs) But this is, Satan works in that way. He implants a lie and say, God doesn't want the best for you. He doesn't want you to be like him. He makes God seem insecure, my friends. Can God be insecure? Heck to the no. No, he can't be insecure. God's not insecure. My, seriously. If you ever even had that thought in your mind, oh my goodness. Get it out. That's, that's, that's deception. Satan knows that if he's messed with your mind, he's already successful. Because you wouldn't be fruitful, you wouldn't multiply. And he paralyzes your mind, disabling you from putting action into your faith. Satan was successful. However, let's go back to chapter one and two. I'm just going to give a brief thing in, in before sa- Satan tempted, before the serpent t- tempted, oh my, my accent's going crazy before Satan tempted Eve, right? God creates the world. And in verse 27, 28 in chapter one, he says, God creates man in his own image, male and female. And he blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air. So here we're able to see that what, did God give them nothing? No, God gave them everything. He said, subdue the earth and have dominion over it. He gave everything. It's like your parents, they want to give you everything. But how much more would our father, our God, want to give you everything? And in chapter two verses sixteen to seventeen God commands man saying that he may eat of every tree of the uh, he may eat of every tree of the garden except the tree of knowledge of good and evil because they would surely die it's like this like your parents your're home, and there's a little electric socket, and your parents say just don't touch that it's going, you're gonna you might die right to your child you're going to, it's gonna it's gonna hurt so he's just saying don't Just avoid that. But you could play around, do your thing, dance around, eat whatever you want. Enjoy. God's saying you have everything. Just don't touch of that because you will die. And this didn't mean like literally die. But like I said, think about it. If your mind is dead, you're basically dead. Okay? So for us, how does this relate to us, apply to us? God created you to have relationship with him. Correct? This is something that we should know, right? If you didn't, ta-da. God created you to have relationship with him and to enjoy him. Satan basically said, God doesn't want the best for you. God's holding something back from you. But that's not what the Father wants for you. But because of the fallen man, because Adam and Eve believed the lie Satan, Satan had said in Genesis three, seven, their eyes were open to themselves. And they knew that they were naked. Their minds were enlightened. So they were able to see what God saw. And what happened? They ended up seeing themselves. When they were meant to just focus on the Father and enjoy the Father's presence and enjoy everything that the Father has given them, Satan wanted them to focus on themselves by making them believe that He said, you're going to be like God. So basically they were like God because they were able to see like God. And now it's them becoming the brain when they were never meant to be the brain. So what was the result? You would think that because their eyes were open, they were, and they were like God, knowing good in you, they would be happy, right? You would assume that they were happy, right? But in verse seven through 12, Adam, Adam and Eve saw that they were naked and they felt vulnerable. And then when they heard the sound of the Lord, they hid from the presence of God. They were meant for the presence of God, but they hid from the presence of God. And not just that, they responded in fear. And which resulted to what? Them even blaming each other. No, the woman said to eat it. They started blaming each other. This sounds pretty familiar, huh? Yeah? Yeah? It does for me. You never want to take the blame for anything. It's like, no, 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 that, that person did it. No, 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 but get the picture, okay? Right? The enemy attacks the mind. Okay, and John eight forty-four says that Satan is the father of lies, and he wants you to believe that you are not free and that God doesn't want the best for you. And as a result, you respond in fear, anxiety, unbelief, apathy, the list goes on and on and on, and you turn away from God, which was never your, the reason, which was never your purpose. So let's go back to the retreat and even Emmaus, large group, familia. Satan has already been planting lies and making you question everything that you experienced and also question the truth. I was actually listening to a sermon by Bill Johnson and it was titled A Renewed Mind, okay? And he said something that brought so much clarity for me personally. And it was saying this. He said, the reason that the enemy works so hard in the realms of anxiety, stress, worries, is because he is able to disengage us from effectiveness. He can't engage, disengage us from our final destination, which is heaven, but he can disengage us from our responsibility, which is to be fruitful and to multiply. Which is to bring heaven here on earth as it is in heaven in which um, we are basically we're continuing the ministry of Christ in our lives right and even through apathy unbelief comparison all these different things unforgiveness, the enemy tries to waste your time by disengaging us from what we're really created to be what we're what we were really created for he wants you to be Not effective. And let's be real. So many people in the church are not effective. Not effective. But that's not what I believe for you guys. Even for me. I'm standing right here speaking loudly and yelling into the mic sometimes and whatever, right? Because now I know who I am in the Lord. And now I know what I was meant for. However... Some of you guys know my testimony but I though I loved God and I knew his promises recognized his promises over my life I was more consumed with my lack I was I was more consumed with how much I I sucked I believed I had no influence I believed that I was boring I believed that I wasn't beautiful I believed that I needed to strive to gain a reputation and also make money I believe that's the way that I'm going to get honor. Basically, I believe that living a very independent life would make me happy. And then I would inject God here and there and be like, God, I know you love me. But in the end, I was holding on to my life, independence. And Satan, that's exactly what he wanted for Eve and Adam was independence from God. Independence from God. He was trying to make them the head when they were never meant to be the head. Right. And so though I knew God loved me, for some reason, I believe that if I finally trust in God, then my life would not be as meaningful and awesome as what I have created in my mind. And I thought, I think a lot. Right. And so I, I, ever since I was in like elementary school, I created my future. (laughs) So I knew what I was going to be in the future. I thought I was going to be a pharmacist making six figures. (laughs) <laughs> I, I thought that I was gonna make my family happy and then also throw money at my dad's, you know, my family <laughs> and be like, there you go, God loves me, not you. And I believe in Jesus, right? That's that's seriously that was my way of of like trying to twist everything, but in the end I was focused on me. And so even if you see what I believed in, I believed in every lie of the enemy over my life. So, though I was a very independent, you know, gung-ho, like, women's rights, I really believed in, like, independence of women. I took a, like, Pastor Anne, I also took a lot of, like, feminine classes. And then I took journalism. I was a journalism major, so I would write articles about feminism. And, so I really believed in women power, right? But, But, though I was independent and I thought I was really awesome and whatever, inside I was so miserable. Inside, I was still struggling with eating disorders because I thought I wasn't beautiful. Inside, I was still struggling with, like, I feared people so much. So, I feared people so much to the point where I couldn't answer phones because if they don't answer, I would feel rejected. I hated sending emails. Like, I was pretty intense. So, for me, my my cover-up was, like, even, like, hanging out with friends. Because if I hung out with them, I would feel, I could, I'm, I'm, I'm empathy, big on empathy. So, I could feel everyone, right? And then everything I felt, I would attack myself with that feeling. And then think that, oh, man, I stink, right? And so, like I said, though I had all those mountain time experiences, I came back still struggling with fear of man, still anxious, still believing that, you know, still eating, having eating problems. Still, you know, my family was, in the outside, I made my family seem like the most perfect family in the world, but inside it was so messed up. So I I had to play a front. That was my independent spirit, saying, God, since you can't do this, I have to do all of this and then prove to everybody that you're good. Do you see that logic? God doesn't need to be proved that He's good. All He wanted for me was to know the truth and believe in it. And once I believed in that truth, it took me years, guys. Like I'm not that old, but thinking of like when I had my, you know, when I first received Christ which was sixth grade till now, it took me until like another 15 years to actually know who I was in the Lord and to believe that my mind was also strong. And once my mind was strengthened and I stopped I silenced the voice of the enemy, that's when I believed the truth over myself. Okay? So uh number 2. Jesus came to set your mind free. Okay? So follow me. Jesus came to set my mind free. This is actually really, really interesting, and it sort of blew my mind. And I hope it blows yours, too, but I don't care if it doesn't. John 19:17. it was saying how, um, in John 19:17, it was talking about how Jesus was crucified at Gogotha. It's the place of the skull, right? So Gogotha was also Calvary, right? That's where Jesus was crucified. It was on the top of that hill, Gogotha. And while well, I was listening to this message, and he, this pastor mentioned something, a really, really interesting observation. Um... And he mentioned how Jesus was crucified on top of the hill, right? And this hill Gogotha, he was saying how it actually looks like the head of a skull. Didn't I get the So in real life, when you go visit Calvary Gogotha, that hill looks like the head of the head of a skull. And so, I actually googled it. And I was like, "Oh what the I googled it. I said Gogotha, the, you know, mountain Gogotha Hill whatever, and it actually looked like a skull. A head of a skull. And so that means Jesus was crucified right on top of the head. Isn't that crazy? So this is just an interesting observation, but it's cool because Jesus' cross was crucified right on top of the head of the skull. Jesus came to set our minds free. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I was blown away too. I was like, after I listened to that message, I was like researching and I was like, what the, that's crazy. Jesus is cool like that, okay? But Jesus th- came to die on the cross for us, right? our sins, and, and to give us eternal life. right? But before I said we're only as free as our mind is, Jesus came to set our minds free. So we can't truly believe until our minds believe the truth. For some people, it could be instant. For some people, it could take some time. For some people, it could be long like mine. I'm so thankful that I finally realized it now. Because if I didn't, I probably would still be in a corner crying or <laughs> depressed or I i don't know. But I wouldn't be up here. That's for sure. Jesus came to give you a victorious life. But let's be real. Even if you're saved, you can still have a life full of bondage. Full of bondage. So if the enemy can paralyze you from living a victorious life, he's done a great job. But let me get this let me be clear though, the enemy does not have authority over you. So the enemy is really cheap. So he's going to instill lies. But if you think about it, it's just talking. And then now it's us to choose to believe or not to believe the enemy can't harm you. If you are a born again believer, the enemy cannot harm you, but he can play with your mind. What is bondage? Bondage is a house of thoughts. So rather than listening to the voice of the enemy, we must listen to what Jesus has to say over you, right? And so instead of being bounded to the lies of enemy, let's be bounded to the truth. So that enemy knows that us living under God's grace, setting our eyes on Jesus is, true, is a true victorious life. Therefore, he is on agenda to turn us away from the truth. And like I mentioned in my previous message, as you set your eyes on Jesus, your faith is strengthened. Jesus came to reunite. Us with the Father. And because of that, he gave us the opportunity to once again enjoy relationship with the Father. Okay? And so, though Satan is not stupid, Satan is also not creative. So even until now, I'm sure you guys could start thinking of different lies that he's been speaking over you. He uses the same tactic to make you ineffective. He makes you believe that God does not want the best for you. This is mind-boggling because what? God sent his only son to die on the cross for our sins, right? So that we can enjoy everlasting life, yet we still fall into the lies of the enemy. That's mind-boggling. The difference between Christianity and other religions is actually be, God knows what, it, what it's like to have relationship and it was in the Trinity, not just that he sent his son to basically live the life for like he. Now we have a precedence. Jesus lived life on this earth. Jesus was tempted. Jesus, you know, was uh, persecuted. Jesus was also happy. He drank wonderful wine. He, he he had fun with his disciples. Jesus was our precedence. That's the difference between other relationships because. God sent Jesus so that we have an example. So when you choose to believe in Christ, we are able to have a relationship with the the Lord. And because of this, Satan's not happy, right? Satan's not happy. And so he will do anything to make your life a waste of time by making you believe the lie that God doesn't want the best for you. He wants you to still believe that God is withholding and that he is not good by lying and making us independent, which was never how we were created. So this brings me to my uh, third point, which is choose the greatest thought. Choose the greatest thought. Colossians 3.2 says, set your minds on the things above, not on earthly things. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Romans 12.2 says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That by testing you may discern what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable and perfect. Satan targets the mind because he knows that if he can get us to believe in a lie, he has already won. I'm repeating this over and over again so that it goes in. He wants you to believe that in the lie. So our mind is like a battlefield. So we are at war against thoughts, not just lies of the enemy, but what your friends think, what your parents think, what your classmates are saying, what this culture is saying you should be like, right? What the society is saying, like your mind is a battlefield of thoughts. However, you are the gatekeepers of your mind. And you have the freedom to choose what to believe and what not to believe. This is by the grace of God. God has given us the ability to think, and he has given us the grace to believe. But now it's up to us to choose to believe the truth. So many of you guys pray, God, take this thought away from me. I don't want to think this. You get tempted, and you're like, I don't want to think about it. And the thing is, you keep on thinking about it, Right? Whether it be lust, whether it be you're angry at someone, whether it be some, you know, like you're just like walking around the seats and you see a sign and now that sign is going over and over in your head. Or like, you know how someone sings a song and all of a sudden you can't help but sing that song. So it's just like over and over and over again. Right? Yeah? Your thoughts. You can't just say, God, take this thought away from me because he doesn't want you to just to like pluck. I'll take this thought. You're a robot then. What's the point? Right? He wants you to grow and mature and be strengthened in the mind. And so that you may make a choice to set your eyes on him. So as you put your trust in God, you are giving him access to renew and transform your mind and give us the mind of Christ. Okay? So how do you do this practically? I know you heard this many times, but it's the truth. Only the word of God can set you free the word of god is living and active today and satan knows that when you read the word of god it is living and alive in you and if you look through the scripture you could attack every lie of the enemy with the word if you look through scripture think about it like this the word of god they say it's like a double-edged sword right yeah and if you think about uh fighting you could kill someone with a sword right yes i need response yes Yes. Okay. But you could kill someone with a sword, but also if you're in a surgery, you're doing surgery and you're a doctor, what can you do with a little knife, scalpel? You could save someone's life. You could heal them. The word of God kills every lie of the enemy and heals you. Okay? It heals you so that you can be healthy again. You cannot take a thought out of your mind just because you're determined to. I'm sure you guys experienced it. Just because you're determined to it doesn't mean that it's going to go away. However, you could replace it with a greater thought. This is by the word of God. The, de- uh, the enemy desires to continue to plant seeds of lie in hopes that it will make root and bear fruit in your life. However, you must know that Jesus came to give you a victorious life and the seed cannot bear fruit as you replace it with the more powerful seed. That's the truth. And you know how I said Jesus is an example for us? Jesus also was tempted. How did he fight the temptation? It was through scripture. It was through scripture and the enemy fled. He had nothing to say, right? And this, the thing is, enemy also knows the scripture is powerful. So he'll find ways to twist it, right? But that didn't go through. Jesus fought the lies of the enemy with the word. And if Jesus did that, we should too, huh? So whatever you're thinking in your mind, choose to believe in the truth and silence the voice of the enemy. Choose daily to hear the voice of the Lord, which is through, through prayer in the word. And I was, you know, I, this is from a bunch of different information, but one thing that really was like, whoa, so true is that the enemy like lies. If you're busy, if you're really, really busy, you, you don't really fall into the temptations and lies, right? It's only when you're actually really free, whether it be before you go to bed at nighttime, in the morning, during your break times, right, or when you're bored in class, I don't know. But that's when the enemy starts to see you know, sow seeds of lies into your mind. This is the times where you have to fight with the, with the word of God. Don't just easily give up your time to the enemy. Okay? So everything that you have and are currently experiencing here in Korea is not just some experience. Okay? God doesn't want you to just experience a spiritual high but bear no fruit. God has set your, your mind free. And instead of being enlightened by this world, as you set your eyes on the things above, he begins to reveal to you the bigger picture. As you let go of your own desires... He begins to reveal his and how you are a part of it. As I let go of my desires, guys, I'm sure for those that saw me at the retreat, you know what's crazy? Right before that altar call, I already knew for some reason that they would call Emmaus up. And part of me, I was, that whole retreat, I was sitting down, God, I'm like, God, I don't care if I don't have this. I don't care if I don't have this. I don't care if I don't have this. Like, I was letting go of a lot of stuff. 'Cause I realized there was still parts of me that was holding on. Which is crazy because there was still parts of me like you know how you hear those stories of how, uh what is it, some people will share a testimony and be like, I finally let go, and then God blessed me with that and even more. Right? So you hear testimonies like that too, right? So for me, I unknowingly held on to that too. And I was like holding on to God, uh, holding on to that like promise and be like, even you know, God I God, I give everything to you. But then in my heart, I was like, but I know you will bless me, right? But God had to reveal that to me, and I had to be like, even that, even if you don't do anything, I still choose to love you. I choose, still choose to set my life, like, uh, surrender my life to you. That's when we got called, Emmaus as a whole, right? And God was doing personally a lot of inner healing for me of my false perceptions of even my own identity. So my final point is this, you intimidate the devil. You intimidate the devil. Why? Because if you think about it, when man was created, God gave the whole earth to man, right? But it's also enemy's playground. He thought it was his. He thought it was his. So he's competing with you. And he's intimidated by you because he knows that God's the one that gave you dominion over this earth. That means you have full authority. Satan does not want you to believe that you are more powerful than him. Isn't that true? So true. Therefore, he'll do everything to steal, kill, and destroy your identity at its infancy. That's through your mind. So take captive of your thoughts the obedience of Christ. Jesus is the one that has given you the access to God, and God has given you everything that you need to strengthen your mind. Your mind is strong. Your mind is strong. There's a bunch of lies that enemy's going to say. Even simple things as, even if you're a little bit late to Emmaus, you're not going to miss out even if you doze off a little bit you're not going to miss out you're sitting in the presence of believers aren't you who said you're loved who said you're amazing you're not who said you're going to be influential they're just trying to make you feel better who said you're smart the enemy is going to implant all these lies now what are you going to do about it who said your friend liked you they're talking smack about you in the back Mm -hmm. enemy he lies it's like a mosquito Mm -hmm. you know how mosquitoes drive you crazy like at nighttime it's like 2 a.m and it's like you hear mm -hmm. and i'm like ah and i sit there and i seriously can't sleep until i kill that thing but there's times where i actually don't kill it i just cover my face and i say it does not exist and then i wrap myself in my blanket i'm like i don't care i'm gonna go to sleep because my sleep's more important than this mosquito enemy doesn't even want to give you rest But what are you going to do about it? God is strengthening your mind. Jesus came to set your mind free. Let's close our eyes. I'm just going to do a quick thing right now. And basically it's this. This message spoke directly into your mind. Where you started to unknowingly believe every lie of the enemy. Whether it be you didn't receive breakthrough. To you coming to large group is a waste of your time. Because all these people, they just, ex- they, I never went through, you never, like, the enemy lies and say, you never went through anything that they did. You could live on your own. You got this. You got this. You don't need God. The enemy is implanting lies. When, from the beginning of creation, you were meant to live in relationship with the Father. So at this time, I want you guys, uh, for those that want to truly just trust in God. To truly let his to truly set your thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ, to truly let God renew your mind. If you want to believe that and actually choose that, I want you guys to stand up, and I'm just going to quickly pray for you.